Welcome to the Family Biz Show. According to Family Enterprise USA, family businesses in the U.S. account for over 64% of GDP and employ 62% of the workforce. In other words, they are the backbone of our economy. But success doesn't come easy. Only 13% are operating in the third generation. The Family Biz Show is here to help. Listen in weekly to hear stories from other family businesses and industry thought leaders so that you and your family not only survive, but thrive. Welcome everybody to the Family Biz Show. I'm your host, Michael Columbus. I'm with Family Wealth and Legacy in Rochester, New York. Appreciate everybody joining us. We have uh, um, gr great, some wonderful, special guests joining us today. Um, and I've, I will mute everybody. As a matter of fact, I'll do that in a second. Joining us today, we have uh, Dan Vandervlee. He's the executive director at the Smith Business Initiative at Cornell. Welcome, Dan. Um, Dan. Hi. Um, Dan has helped us to or helped to grow a, a respected program at Cornell. Um, it includes numerous peer groups, statewide business forums, and was the founder of the Family Enterprise Case Competition. Oh, you know what? I didn't update my thing. It didn't hit there. Dan, I apologize. I'm laughing at myself. Dan sent me an updated uh, uh, um, piece, and it didn't update on my website fast enough. I apologize. Um, oh, good. Uh, there we go. Um, Dan is uh, the executive director, as we said, of the John and Diane Smith Executive uh, Pro Family Business Initiative at Cornell. It was founded in 2014. The Smith Family Business Initiative is housed in the Cornell College of Business and provides education, networking, and research for family business owners, successors, and students from across the globe. Welcome, Dan. Appreciate you being here. Um, Thanks, Mike. And, the, and for those of you in upstate New York, you know, I like to share this with everybody. The, the fact that Cornell has an incredible program right there and throughout upstate New York, you know, there's uh, Syracuse has a program. St. John Fisher in Rochester has one. There's two or three in the Buffalo area. So, you know, those of you who are part of a family business, make sure you're getting connected to um, these, you know, college, you know, uh, programs university programs, they're phenomenal. And, you know, it, it just like we're bringing in some great guests, you know, there's um, people that are, uh, um, you know, out there, they just have incredible programs. So thanks again, Dan. Tim Belber, welcome. Tim and I met uh, years ago at the Purposeful Planning Institute. Um, one of the uh, godfathers of uh, all of this, you know, um, purposeful planning and uh, family wealth would be Jay Hughes. And uh, I finished reading Jay's book um, years ago. And he said, you've got to go meet John A. Warnick and Tim Belber and the people that he's, that, uh, he's putting together at the Purposeful Planning Institute. So it didn't take me long to, uh, to do that. And welcome, you know, glad to have met Tim. Tim and I actually worked at the same company at one point many, many years apart. And then Tim went in on a different path. It was pretty uh, interesting. Um, Tim has, you know, talks about the fact that money represents different values for different individuals, depending on one's personal outlook, their financial assets. Um, it may be for freedom or security, respect or self-worth, 
um, connection to the future or a link to the past. Uh, Tim focuses on transformations, uh, the conversation, uh, the conversion of the family's tangible financial assets into the impact and empowerment they hope that those assets have for future generations and society as a whole. Tim is also uh, the author of the book, The Middle Way. And Tim, I have to you know, make an apology. I, I don't have The Middle Way sitting on my shelf. It's at my office. I do have it. And I did not make the jump back to the office to bring it in. So welcome. I, I appreciate both of you joining us. Thanks, Michael. Um, what, you know, I gave you the brief introduction. If, there, if there's anything that either of you want to take a minute or two to introduce yourselves further, or if there's something that you'd want to share, um, Tim, why don't, do you mind, uh, you know, do you, anything you want to start with? Well, I, w one thing I like to do is thank you for putting together a forum like this. Uh, I wasn't too many years ago when, when there were just a few lone voices in the wilderness talking about we need to be thinking as much about the people who are part of our businesses and part of our family as we do our financial assets. So just being able to have platforms like this to have these conversations is, is very meaningful. Agreed. Thanks. Thanks. Dan. Yeah, I mean, I would certainly reiterate that. I think, uh, you know, this, it's interesting that this technology has always been there, or at least has been here for the last few years. And then suddenly in the last month, we're all becoming experts and realizing how valuable it is to have these connections, some of them formal, some of them informal, but, um, uh, you know, I've just I think anytime you can sort of come together and just, uh, you know, hear what other people are doing, um, be it, uh, you know, sometimes they're struggling, sometimes it's positive, but I think uh, it's helpful to sort of be uh, uh, in connection with others um, during this time. So again, thanks, Mike. So one of the things that I did um, as we're talking about learning the technology, um, I created uh, polls for the first time. And when I did them, um, I did them so that they're anonymous. So, you know, I'm just going to pull up the first poll because I think, you know, Tim and Dan and myself would, you know, love to, a little bit of direction. If there's something on anybody else's mind, I know we have some questions that we're prepared for, but um, let me just see if this works here. I'm going to launch the polling and here's question. And tell me if everybody, you got uh, a little bit of time to go through this. Um, and, and what it is, is, you know, what are the top two or three things um, you're thinking about right now as it comes to the family business? And you can select more than one. Um, you know, I just, there's a bunch up there. There's 10 different choices. But, and this is anonymous. We didn't, we turn that up, you know, turn the anonymous off or on rather. Um, just if there's anything on your mind, can everybody see that? If, give me a thumbs up if you can see the, you can see it, good. Yeah, go ahead and uh, tell us what's on your mind. What are you thinking about right now? We've got a couple of votes coming in, dealing with the uncertainty. Yeah, employees. Yeah, thank you. That's good. What if this continues for another two to three months? Uh, agreed. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, somebody jumped into question two. Thank you. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, I'll pull that back up again um, at the end. What are my, how are my customers being affected? Yeah, that's a great one. You know, it's, um, as, as we're dealing with these things, we need to be gentle with, they're going through some things right now as well. Um, we need to pivot and we're struggling for a new direction. Good, I think we've got some great stories and some people that have pivoted today that we're gonna be talking about. All right, I think I'm gonna end this for the moment. 
and then I'll open it back up again when we end. But thank you for, for doing that. That helps us as we're doing things. Um, and then I'll minimize this so I can relaunch it. So kind of the first you know, place that I wanted to take this, and I think that we're still in this period of uncertainty, um, and I think everybody is curious, what are other people thinking? What are they feeling right now? What kind of, what's the, the temperature of the family businesses out there right now? So Dan, would you mind sharing with us? What are you, what are you feeling? What do you, you know, what is, what's the temperature out there right now? You know, it really depends on the sector and, and, and the type of business. Um, you know, I've been trying to uh, connect with many businesses here and there. I think there are um, certainly concerned, you know, we're, we're at a point now where this, you know, lockdown has, has been over a month and I think we're seeing signs of opening up in certain areas. I'm here in Vermont um, and some smaller, less than five uh, employee businesses are opening up. Um, I think most of them are just looking for a way. They're, you know, they're, they're just trying to find ways to serve their customers in new ways to reach them where they are, which is generally at home. Um, and, uh, um, so it, I think family businesses in general tend to be incredibly resilient in this way. Um, you know, I, I spoke with one owner a few weeks ago, um, and, you know, and this is a company that's been around for over a hundred years, um, and, uh, you know, and, and has been talking to his employees about the fact that, um, you know, while this particular, um, uh, crisis, you know, came on so suddenly, and it is so widespread globally. Um, but yet, you know, you look at even just the last 30 years and most of our lifetimes, you know, we have dealt with, you know, the 2008 recession, 911 in 2001, you know, the crash of 1987. Um, and, you know, for a business that's been around 100 years, there have been numerous recessions and depressions and wars. And so I think it's, you know, the, the general tenor is, you know, what do we have to do? Where, where can we save money? Where can we, um, you know, just sort of position ourselves to be, you know, better equipped for the long haul um, and, and really not panic. Um, and, and I think the, the effective leaders and owners are, are communicating that to their employees um, and they're looking really for uh, whatever they can do to sort of maintain some level of cash flow and, and just be better positioned when, uh, when this all turns, whenever that might be. Thank you. Tim, thoughts? Yeah, I was just going to build a little bit on what, on what Dan said. Um, I, I, with the business owners who were my clients that I see out there, a lot of the initial panic of, over what is going on um, is starting to ease up. And they're starting to think a little bit more strategically and starting to think about what, how they can function in, quote, whatever the new normal will be. Um, one of the things that, that I found very helpful, is, as Dan was mentioning, the 100-year-old company, is, is getting specific about um, or getting some perspective about where, where we are and what we've seen before and, and not getting too caught up on, we've been at this a month, when is it ever going to end, but to start trying to think uh, in a little bit longer term. And it, it, it's interesting. Um, I've been doing a lot of of work with client families around resilience. Uh, in fact, I'm bringing out a program next week that I'm partnering with a woman named Kristen McDermott on, which is how to have uh, resilience conversations with your employees and also with uh, your, your family at home. 
and she talks about resilience is not this idea of, of gritting your teeth and getting through it, but it's more of resilience as what do I want to look like when, when we come out of this? And that's where I see business owners starting to, to lean more towards that type of thinking. Perfect. And for those of you who have been on one of our, our webinars already, you know that I, you know, have been talking about the Stockdale paradox. And I think that's really what the two of you are both saying is that, you know, um, the POW, uh, Jim Stockdale was a POW. He was um, um, Ross Perot's running mate back when, and when they interviewed him after he escaped from the POW camp, they asked him, how did you survive? And it was the paradox of being able to hold two opposing thoughts at the same time. And those two opposing thoughts were, no matter what happens, I'm getting out of here. I don't know how it's gonna happen. I don't know what it's gonna look like. I can't predict it, but I'm gonna get out of here. And I know that. And that's holding that one thought. But you know, as you're going through torture or going through home isolation or you know, what we're doing, we, just, we still have to deal with the, the brutal facts of our current situation. And so if you, if you can hold both thoughts at the same time and keep that paradox alive, I think that's helpful as we're doing this. We wanna be realists about what we're doing, optimistic about where we're going, and you know, just deal with the facts in front of us day by day. Um, thank you. So you know, we both, the, the three of us were, were talking at different times about some of the stories that you're hearing and um, you know, people, some people are making different decisions right now. They're flourishing, they're pivoting, um, they're putting some different, you know, spins on what they've done. Do you mind, you know, Dan, you know, I, I want to hit real quick. You talked about a photographer with me, but I just think that's a great story. Would you mind sharing that and, you know, how that went along? Yeah. yeah so, I mean, this is just kind of a, a neat story um, from our, uh, from here in Vermont. This, this is somebody who has done work for us through the Smith Family Business Initiative. Um, and, and when this all sort of um, started, you know, this is a, a photographer who primarily works um, uh, as a solo entrepreneur. Uh, I mean, instantly saw three weeks and, you know, now more than a month worth of business com completely just vaporized, you know, just virtually no work. I mean, he does mostly event and wedding photography. He's very successful at what he does, but, um, you know, those events are not happening. And, and I think what was inspiring about this particular story, and I, and I kind of keep coming back to it, is um, you know, what do you do in that situation? You have nothing to do. Your cash flow has, has suddenly hit zero. Um, and what was interesting, he said, you know, I, did, I want to be able to at least do something, contribute to my community in some way. And so he put out through his community listserv an offer to take family portraits um, from a safe social distance. He actually got some pushback from people you know, saying you shouldn't be doing this, but but he actually had support of, you know, several uh, kind of local politicians that he was doing this safely. Um, and what was interesting as, as this sort of evolved, and, and this was not the direction he thought it would go, uh, he ended up with, with um, nearly 150 families responding to this offer. He would ride around, sometimes on his bike, pull up in the front, take, um, you know, photographs either on their porch in their driveway or somewhere in the yard. Um, and he just started posting these to his website and to his social accounts. Um, it, they became so popular that the state of Vermont caught wind of this and reached out to him. Uh, and now he's actually working with the State Historical Society um, in, in an archival project to sort of document uh, life during the pandemic in Vermont. 
Um, that work has now expanded at the request of the state to include many of these, um, you know, restaurants and eateries that are doing curbside service. So, you know, another area where you can go and take pictures from a safe social distance. Um, it's now including uh, the work that a lot of the schools are doing because the schools are still providing lunches and meals. Um, and so it's, it's expanded beyond the point of, you know, what he initially thought. Um, it has created, um, you know, great amount of, of goodwill. I'm sure ultimately it will lead to more business for him when, when this all, you know, begins to um, uh, open up again. But, you know, one interesting aspect is, you know, the, the potential for new business, but in a, in a different way. So now he's actually thinking about shifting his operation, possibly publishing a book, uh, as well as maybe being more of a, uh, a documentary or a um, uh, um, you know, historical photographer. And so, you know, I use that example because it's, you know, I think that business owners have a bias reaction. Uh, you know, when you're faced with, you know, just the, you know, the way that this hit us almost immediately, what do you do in those situations? And in his case, he had a lot of time to think, a lot of, um, you know, room to operate, and, and he took action in that regard. So, you know, for some business owners, you know, they're hit with much more businesses, businesses like Stewart's and Burns Dairy, you know, we're seeing them, you know, a lot of our food companies are, uh, and Wegmans, uh, you know, they're going through the roof right now, but other businesses, you know, they, they just saw a lot of business evaporate. So, you know, what do you do when you suddenly have that amount of white space and time to operate? And I think, you know, this is just a, a great example of uh, having a bias for action, wanting to do something and, uh, you know, possibly, you know, leading to a, a very different part of his business after this uh, um, alleviates. Love it. That's a, that's a great example. Tim. Well, as, as, um, as funny as I was listening to Dan talk, um, one of the things that uh, I've seen business owners doing, and it's what I'm trying to do, is, quote, meet people where they are today, which means they're stuck at home, um, they're having to interact with their families probably way more than they have in a long time, and they're, they're, they're looking for outlets or they're looking for help to do that. And one business owner who she comes from a family of serial entrepreneurs and she owns several of these indoor cycling studios and they're obviously all completely shut down, but she, like Dan had some time to think about what could we do? And her, her clients, members, whatever you want to call them were incredibly dedicated to their workouts because they love the, the way that the, the cycle it's called cycle bar way it operates. So she put out an offer where, she will rent them bikes to people in their homes, deliver them to their homes. Um, and then she conducts classes over, I don't think she uses Zoom, but a similar platform. Okay. Um, and every single bike she had in the shop, except for three, one for her and one for each of the other two instructors are now in people's homes. And she's receiving a monthly rental for the bike, plus a very, very small charge for, the, for participating in the classes. And that's the only thing that has been able to help keep her semi afloat. But I thought it was brilliant. And like, like Dan was saying about the photographer, she's thinking that when things open up again, she's going to have this as an additional arm of her business, doing in-home training, as well as having people come right to her cycling studio. So it's that being creative, taking advantage of, of the, the whiteboard space that you have in front of you and figuring out what can we do differently. Yeah, it's, um, that's phenomenal. Two great examples. 
there one of the one of my mentors is a, a woman named Susan. Uh, sorry, I just did that. Shannon Susco and Shannon does a, an awful great job. She taught us how to map out your your current space that you're in. What is the sandbox that you're playing in? And then take a look at what are the, the, the five, 10 things that clients in that space, customers are looking for in that space, mapping out what, you know, what your, um, co what your competition is doing and what are, they not, what are they really good at? And then look at that map of what are the things that people want? And then what are the things that, you know, your competition is really good at? And what, like you said, Tim, look for that white space. Where's that white space? What are the things that they want? Where do we map that out? And then how do we deliver it to them? And, you know, Shannon's a serial entrepreneur and ran a, a bunch of different companies. But one of them, you know, just surprised her. There was this thing that people really wanted. And uh, in the broker dealer world, just processing of payments um, and nobody else was delivering it. So that's all she went after for really itty bitty tiny broker dealers when everybody else was going after the whales. Well, after she had hundreds and you know thousands of these small broker dealers, you know, processing through her, their system, it opened up the door to all the big ones. And so it's, yeah, it's a really good point. Looking for that white space, people are still, we still have needs, we still have things that we're looking for. Um, how can we as entrepreneurs, you know, deliver that to them? Thank you, Mike. Mike there's a. So, so that goes to Go ahead, the, the point about what people remember, and. Uh, uh, two years from now, nobody will remember exactly what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel. Yeah. And I, I think there's an opportunity with anybody who has customers to, to stay in contact with them. I know some folks, um, co colleagues, the silence from them is deafening. They've, they've almost completely withdrawn. Um, and I think they're missing a chance to really prove how much they care about their customers, even though they can't sell them anything right now. Agreed. Dan? Mike, uh, I mean, finding your customers where they are, I think, you know, another great example of, a, um, you know, two young guys here in Vermont. Um, and, and this was a, a, a project they had been working on prior to this, but I mean, talk about sometimes it's just luck or, or great timing, um, is a mobile air changing service. And, uh, and because of tire changing service. Um, and, you know, they, they didn't want to invest in, a, in, you know, the physical infrastructure of a garage. Um, they had an idea. Uh, I'm sure it's nothing revolutionary new, but uh, at the same time, you know, now they can't keep up with the business. Uh, and, I, and I thought it was interesting because, you know, they talked about, you know, they, they charge a slight premium over the typical garage. But, you know, how many of us wouldn't pay that $5, $10 premium to have somebody come to our house, change our tires for us, not be inconvenienced with, you know, having to go to the garage, drop off your car, go pick it up. Um, you know, so I, I think we're going to see many more of these sort of mobile type businesses, be it either, you know, having, you know, the, the physical ability to take your business mobile or the virtual ability to take your business mobile. Um, and, and certainly, you know, I think for any business, you know, there's, uh, you, there's some possibilities there as well. Love it. If anybody, again, if anybody has a question or a comment or a story that you'd like to share, if you know of another business that is having a, a successful pivot, would uh, love for you to you know, um, put your hand up and we'll unmute you so you can share the story with us. 
That would be, uh, we, we love hearing the stories of, you know, people's ingenuity and creativity as we're going through this. We, one thing that I experienced just last week, um, the, the state of Colorado is, has recognized that, that they need to think about things differently. And, and I'm not sure if other states are doing it, but in Colorado, they now allow legal documents to be notarized over a platform like this. Right. Which, which was huge. The problem is that some of the big law firms, um, um, professional liability policies don't allow for it. So now they're, they're having to make amendments to those things. But uh, for a while there, it didn't look like you could get anything notarized. For, but somebody said, well, you know, we, we can connect this way and they have a whole procedure that you go through. But they've, they've revolutionized that business and there's even talk of it continuing afterwards. Interesting. We just, I'm going to open up for Gail real quick. Uh, Gail. Hi, Mike. Um, I, can somebody speak to the fact of, uh, you know, we're a mid-size advertising agency and we're really, our team is working really well remotely. And we're actually looking at our business model to say, you know, maybe, maybe this is the way that we can operate in the future. Any stories coming out like that, that businesses that can operate remotely, are they, are they taking that seriously? Yeah. Um, that, no, that's a, that's a great point. Our, so I can share our story real quick and then uh, I'll go back to, we, we had one of our employees that we love um, that was moving out to Colorado and she knew that in uh, Ju uh, November of last year had made the decision that we were going to do, that she was going to do that. So be, her goal was by March 16th to be up and live in Colorado. So we had been working, thankfully, to do this stuff. And my team is all uh, Gen Y. They're all millennials. I'm not, obviously. Um, and so I was pretty stubborn about, I, you know, we're hiring somebody else. If this doesn't work, I'm not, you know, I, 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 if it doesn't work for me, if we can't get the stuff done, I'm going to put my foot down and, and, she, and you might not like it, the person that was moving out there being solitary and whatnot, you know, that way. So the day that all of this stuff went down, we flipped a switch and we were ready to go. Um, we have been doing fireside chats with all, you know, we, we, because we're unique where we're, we do business growth planning, business exit planning. We do the, you know, the family, the family work and we're financial advisors. So we're cradle to grave in everything that we do. Um, so, but my financial planning clients were like, just keep us posted on the market. What's happening? Where are we at? So every Friday at four, I do the fireside chat. And then through that, some of them started talking and they're like, we should do a happy hour. So we're still doing, we're doing a happy hour on Tuesdays with people that don't even know each other. We're playing, uh, what is it? Uh, come on, Kay, you know what I'm talking about. Um, trivia game. <laughs> yeah, we're, play, we're playing trivia online. So that was one of the ways that, that we've been doing it. I'm positive that my team will be saying, well, I'm taking this week to work from Florida and get my work done. I can easily see that coming and, and that'll be okay. Kay's sister, Kay, just jump on for a second, then I want to turn it back around. Tell us about your sister real quick. Yeah, so what we're seeing with a lot of trends is um, the next workforce that's coming up in a lot of companies, they want the ability to work from home already. So my sister and her husband 
have lived in an RV, like a traveling RV for the past five years. So if you remember any childhood shows like the Wild Thornberries, that's them. <laughs> and they do it very successfully. So as a couple, they make six figures and they just travel the country. So there's my speed yeah, their residence is in South Dakota or North Dakota, because and then they just travel. You know, where are they now? And they just set up as long as they have a good internet connection, they're good to go. Tim, yeah. Dan. Yeah, I, I'll um I'll jump in and I'll pick up on Case Point. You know, sort of uh, um, digital nomads have been around for a while, but I think we'll definitely see an increase of that. My cousin's son is a professional musician. He writes jingles for commercials. He's very good at what he does. Um, and like I see the pictures of where he goes that, you know, the, the guy travels the world and he can, as long as he has an internet connection, he can set up shop. So I think there, to, to Gail's point, I think there's two implications here. One is on, you know, that, that workforce, are they prepared to work that way? And, um, especially for this next generation coming in, in, in some ways they'll, they'll expect it. Um, it, I know with our, with our own team at the Smith family business initiative, um, I would argue that our level of communication has increased greatly. And, uh, you know, we all worked in an office together and you just sometimes take for granted that proximity factor when all of a sudden you're separated, you know, you want to be more clear and more, um, you know, thoughtful about how you're communicating. So I think that's certainly one implication for you, Gail. The other is going to be on real estate um, and, uh, you know, revisiting some of those real estate deals, because I think there are going to be a lot of businesses who have discovered that they can do business virtually. Uh, I'm in a group of um uh, advisors and, and educators and, and we get together about once a month and within that group is a married couple uh, both of them are um, uh, psychiatrists and they have both uh, you know through the first month they have found that their business has not suffered at all uh, they're doing all their meetings virtually and there's and they're wondering why are we paying thousands of dollars for a downtown location when we can do this online uh, and so they are looking at vacating that lease at the first possible opportunity so, you know, for, for those that have physical infrastructure, um, I think many are going to have to take a serious look at is, is it necessary? Um, you might see a rise of co-working spaces where, you know, people can work virtually when needed. And, um, you know, these, these sort of, uh, you know, co-working spaces can serve the, the function of, you know, your once a week meeting or meeting with clients when needed. Um, so I think there's going to be a radical change in terms of how we, uh, interact, uh, do business from afar. Certainly, there's always going to be a need for face-to-face, -face, but I, you know, I think uh, the threshold is going to grow uh, a little bit higher as to when and where that's necessary. Dan, I think you're spot you're spot on with that because I have um, an oil and gas. Um, they don't they don't actually do exploration, but they're more oil and gas investment firm, and the son-in-law who is the leader of the next generation was one of these people who would get to work at seven in the morning and he usually wouldn't get home till seven at night. Now he's been working from home because he's forced to. And I was just on a call with him like this yesterday. And he said, you know, Tim, I think I'm going to do this three days a week. I really enjoyed being at home. I don't want to go to the office and I don't see why we need to make people deal with commutes when we don't manufacture anything. It's just a matter of, of structuring it. Um, and I, I think I also do some stuff with the Colorado Cattlemen's Association with ranchers. And, and I think we're going to be starting to shift into the ranch mentality where you work where you live and live where you work. Um, but you're going to have to be new balances struck. And I think there'll be even a whole new consulting industry of people who can help companies set up permanent uh, virtual workforce. Perfect. 
there's I'm I, I, I'm looking over here. There's a tool that I just was introduced to that I wanted to share with people, and I'm, I have not started using it yet. But um, when you're doing group coaching, a lot of times, you know, when you're working in a group, it's nice to be able to have everybody write down on a post-it note, and then everybody share their answers, and then group them and look, you know, look through all those. It's called Mural. I just remembered it. And so Mural is just another workspace like Zoom is where we can write on the whiteboard on Zoom. But Mural, you can do even more interactive, you know, hey, everybody write your notes on the whiteboard, you know, or on the on a three by uh, post-it note, and then just have a discussion around things. So it's the, the tools that I think that are going to be coming out over the next three to five years are going to be phenomenal. Um, any other questions? Anybody else have a, a comment that they want to make or something? Ed, I see Ed's over there. All right. You're unmuted, sir. Hi. My name is Antelling. I'm an old friend of Michael's. Uh, I'm a 68 to 70 B-School grad at Cornell. And Gail, uh, I met a number of years ago through a good friend of mine, Stephen Fonny, that later picked a surgeon that saved my life for esophageal cancer, that nobody would tell me how bad it was. And a year later, I read it was 2% survival. So... I got down on the carpet and said, thank you, God. And uh, so uh, I sell lower middle market businesses, have for 38 years uh, in upstate New York. I'm based out of Cortland. Uh, so I think of myself as student of businesses and a student of people. Um, I would tell you that I think the things are going to go in mid-August to somewhere in mid-September. Uh, I hear all these stories about employees going to stay home. You know, there's probably five or 10% malcontents in some businesses. The rest of them want to get to work, want to be with their friends, want to do what they do for a living. I um, mean, it's, it's just that simple. There's others that have systemic problems. A friend of mine is probably the top restaurant broker in the country, uh, operates out of Syracuse or out of uh, Boston, and uh, listen to a couple of his webinars. And he clearly uh, said that the people in the downtown of Boston cannot make it with six foot. They just can't. They can't put enough seats. They can't generate enough money to cover the rent. And the landlords tend to be very big operators, are unlikely to cut the rent, but that story is yet to be told. Um, a number of years ago, uh, you know, we see so many changes over it. But, so I've asked people, uh, probably a third of my friends or people I know agree with me. Others think it'll be much more draconian. I think people want to go back to work. They don't look at it as a chore. They look at it as what they do and, and who they are. Um, what we do with all this money that we're spending to get there, I didn't pay enough attention to uh, international uh, finance school, so I can't weigh in on that one. Um, but I think we're going to be fine after we run this. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, so when we're talking about, you know, family businesses right now, we always talk about, you know, working in the business versus working on the business is, you know, a conversation we're always having. Um, what would you say are the, you know, the top things that the family should be thinking about right now so that when, you know, this does open up and the economy does, you know, we have a vaccine and things are out there doing what they're supposed to be doing. We're hitting the ground running, so to speak. Um, 
can speak to that for a little bit? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in first. Um, there's an interesting survey coming out of Banyan Global based in Boston. Um, it, it hasn't been fully published yet, but uh, it's essentially taken the, the pulse of business owners right now. Um, you know, a couple of interesting findings, 90%, and, and excuse me for reading some of this, 90% said um, certainly there's been a negative impact on the business, but that's split evenly between a minor impact and a major one. So yes, it, it's affecting everyone, but only about 5% five feel, 5 feel that they're in danger of failing. Um, how they're responding, 69% are delaying capital investments, 40% are reducing salary or benefits, 28% are reducing dividends, 24% are laying off employees. So relatively small in terms of laying off employees. Um, and uh, very few are bringing in outside capital or selling parts of the business. Uh, but one, I think, interesting point is that, and, and we, we alluded to this earlier, um, for a lot of these businesses, communication has increased, um, in some cases exponentially. Um, and there, you know, for many of these families that, uh, you know, might be, you know, geographically dispersed, you know, again, you know, suddenly all of a sudden this technology we're using now seems so brand new, uh, but, you know, are, are realizing that, you know, this can be in a very effective tool uh, to connect with family members near and far. So, you know, to, to, to answer your question, Michael, I think uh, for many business owners, it's affected them. We all realize that. I think, you know, the, the, the big unknown unknown here is, you know, when do we get back to normal and what does that look like? You know, to Ed's point, you know, I, I remain optimistic like him. I think, um, you know, we are a species that, that wants human contact and, and social proximity. Uh, and I think there'll be a calculated risk in terms of what that's going to look like eventually. But, you know, for, for businesses right now, um, other than the things we've already talked about in terms of finding new ways to your customers, I think um, this is a good time to maybe look at, um, you know, some of those governance and relationship type things that, you know, might set, uh, you know, a precedent for, you know, better practices moving forward. If, if you are in a place where you do have a lot of that, that time to think, um, either because business has been suspended or is incredibly reduced right now, um, you know, take advantage of that time uh, to really lay the groundwork. If, you know, if, if, if the goal is to continue beyond this generation, this is a great time to involve that generation uh, using all of the technology and tools that are there right now. Um, and, and think about, you know, what, what, uh, what can you do to better prepare for, um, you know, when business springs back. Wonderful. Tim? Yeah, I, I echo a lot of that. I, I think um, for, for business that, well, for example, I'm thinking of a conversation I had with somebody who owns a, a, a kitchen and bath installation company and store, and they're clearly not doing anything right now. Uh, they have a lot of backed up work, but they just, you know, they don't want to go into someone's home they don't know, and people don't want them in their homes. So he's, he, they've gotten through the, they've gotten their, their payroll protection plan loans, so they haven't had to lay anybody off, they're paying them a reduced salary, but they want to keep them there. But what they're doing is they are focusing on maintaining the best relationships they can with their employees, meaning asking them, well, what do you need? What do you feel like you need right now to get through this day or this week? And then trying to help them with that. And then with their customers, staying in touch with them with, with some interesting things. Like, um, tips and techniques for 
keeping your kitchen the cleanest it can possibly be. Those kind of things to reach out to them to say, we know where you are and we're just going to try to help you in the best way we can. And I think doing those two things and then paying attention to the responses that you get back from your employees and from your customers. And maybe even if you're worried about supply chain, uh, maintain that relationship with your supplier on a basis of that, what the Arbinger Institute calls that outward mindset. Um, what impact can I have on somebody else rather than how are they impacting me? And I think you'll be able to ratchet up, uh, amp up, get back to normal, whatever you want to call it, very quickly because of the human connections that you strongly maintain during this this time period. Perfect. Yeah, Tim, I, Tim I would I would I would add to that. My my brother-in-law actually owns a, a kitchen and uh, a kitchen and bath design company. And he's actually seen an increase in business at this time. It's allowing, he has some virtual tools that he can employ, which is allowing him to sort of cast his business further afoot, you know? So he's, you know, rather than doing, you know, calls with people that live two hours away, he can now do them and do more of them in a day. Uh, and plus where he, where he happens to live in, in um, rural New Jersey, um, you know, there's been an influx of, of, um, you know, real estate deals with people, again, you know, kind of similar to post 911, people wanting to get out of the major urban areas. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the real estate in that part of New Jersey is starting to dry up. Plus, you have families that are, um, who maybe not be affected as financially by this crisis right now and happen to have a lot of time on their hands. And they're thinking now's the best time to do, you know, some, some home improvement projects. So, Again, I think it speaks to that, you know, finding your customers where they are and what their needs are and what new tools can you utilize um, uh, that, that maybe helps sort of bridge that, uh, that physical uh, distance gap. You know, it's interesting because the other, the, the, um, my client and his partner doing this, the same type of using digital tools, they used to charge for kitchen designs because they, would, they didn't want people coming in, getting a design from them and then going to somewhere and getting it built for, for less. But right. they're giving that away now. They, they have it out there that you want to design a kitchen, we'll get on, on a dialogue like this with you and we'll design the kitchen for you right now. And he's, he has gotten, again, relationship pickup, but he's sure that it's going to turn into, into good business for him down the road. Love it. Yeah, hey, for us, we uh, have implemented work on the business day, you know, once a month. Um, we started that about a year ago and we just took all the things that are on our work on the business, you know, list and, and are starting to knock them off right now because we do, you know, and typically if I go to see a client in Elmira or, you know, uh, Cortland, it's a two hour drive. Uh, that picks, that's four hours out of my day as I'm doing that stuff. So we're picking up a lot more time right now and our website's getting redone. We've added video capabilities. We're, you know, right now we're recording this and we'll share it with people. And we're just looking at the work that we're doing and saying, you know, we're almost feel like we're bringing a better product out because of all of this technology and the way that we're thinking through this. Every conversation that we have, whether it's, you know, family driven and, I've had, I have one family we're, we're doing two day Zoom meetings because we started working on governance and we started working on conflict resolution and some things that they were going through in this transition from G2 to G3, generation two to generation three, so for those that haven't heard that before. Um, and we're doing them on Zoom. 
And there were, you know, half of the family sitting in their living rooms or their offices, and we're having exactly the same meeting that we were having six months ago. Um, we just try to do more breaks and be thought-filled about, you know, people's attention spans as we're doing things. But we're still being productive. Um, we're teaching people that weren't taking notes before to you know, be the note taker of the family and scribing things. And the communication's gone way up. So it's interesting mm -hmm. times. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, we're sitting at 1245. Um, I want to be mindful of, you know, questions right this second. Our guests, you know, um, you've, got, you've got them available. If there's any questions that, you know, anybody had, good. All right. Um, we talked about creative things. We've talked about the temperature of the market out there. We're talking about what family firms are doing to, you know, thrive and, and survive, you know, during these times. Um, what are families doing? You know, both of you are, you know, we have succession plans that might've been in place. We have, you know, transitions that are happening. We have plans that are happening. What are you seeing in that arena in terms of, you know, families working together on the family stuff, not just the business stuff right now? Well, fam this, is, this is one of the things where I've spent a lot of my time on Zoom is, is doing family, I don't, like to, I don't want to call them meetings, it's more of a family gathering. And um, they love being able to see their grandchildren. And, and that's, the, that's the most common theme I've been hearing lately is, can this just work so we can see the grandchildren? And um, one of the things that, that I've learned about that is they have to have an, an actual purpose for the gathering and they have to have, even though it's just they're going to talk, they're going to uh, interact with each other, they have to have some questions that they're going to talk about. Because I did one for a family and they said, oh, this is great. We can do this ourselves. And so they set up, a, they call it the family Zoom. They got on and nobody said anything <laughs> because they didn't have uh, topics to talk about. And, you know, like one of the, one of the, one of the family Zooms we did was we gave all seven of the grandchildren the opportunity to ask their grandparents a question from this list I call story worthy questions. And it's a question like, um, what was your first car and why did you like it so much? And they all talked, they had a whole list of these kind of questions and it was great because the grandparents got to see them and it was now the grandchildren interviewing them instead of what normally goes on is the grandparents interrogating their grandchildren. Um, so they're doing those kind of things to, to, to keep their connections going. And they're also really working on making sure their conversations are, are healthy ones. Because it's so easy when you spend that many hours a day together that the conversations can devolve into something that's, that's not good, which is why I've become such a fan of, of helping them uh, have conversations around resiliency because that actually adds a perspective of what life is going to be like once we get through all of this. Um, I have an interesting, yesterday I was on, the, on a Zoom call. Um, I have a client who is building a new home south of Denver and they're doing a groundbreaking and he wants the groundbreaking to be around the, the whole family. Um, and so he and I were on Zoom for about 30, 40 minutes yesterday discussing how we can create a ritual for, for he and his wife and their three young children to all be part of the groundbreaking and knowing that they're moving ahead with this 
as a family rather than it's just something that mom and dad are doing and we're going to live there. Love it. Love it. Dan? Yeah, I think, Tim, your point about uh, having an agenda or some questions ahead of time, I think, is a great point. I mean, just in my own personal family, we've done Zoom calls on each side, both my side and my wife's side. And, you know, the initial sort of uh, seeing all your family members together in one place um, kind of wore off really quickly. And then there were those awkward moments of silence where we wish we had something, you know, some question out there to just kind of uh, keep the you know conversation peppered. So I think if you're doing that in a, especially in a family or a business context, uh, the agenda matters, or at least having a reason for the call other than to just sort of see everybody on the screen. Um, in terms of actual, um, you know, situations, I don't have much to share. Only, you know, one, one example of a business that um, had put in a lot of work ahead of time uh, in terms of the succession and had planned on uh, succeeding from the, uh, from the second generation to the third generation on June 1st. This was very much something that had been in place. Um, and, uh, you know, according to that uh, uh, president, you know, it could not come at a better time. You know, this, this actually, uh, this was an owner who had said he was going to step down numerous times before uh, and had sort of always backed out um, as, you know, sometimes is the case in family business, it's hard to let go. Um, but this was sort of one of those uh, occasions where the owner was like, you know what, this is a really good time to leave. Uh, and, you know, the, the successor couldn't be happier about it because it, it really gives him an opportunity to jump in. And even though there is sort of this, you know, sense of crisis at hand, um, it's a great moment to sort of, you know, instill your leadership into that business that's really looking for it at that, at that moment. So, um, you know, I haven't seen any, many other cases where they've either put off, uh, you know, delaying it or, or it's really caused a crisis. Um, so I think it just speaks to, you know, having that work done ahead of time when crisis hits um, can really be very informative and uh, instructional when, when needed. Love it. I think Ed has a question. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead, Ed. Ready, set. Why aren't there too many stories? Both are accurate. You know, I'm not sure in timing, but, you know, 15, 20 years ago, they tried work at home, whether technology wasn't there, you know, whether the they weren't receptive, but it didn't work. I think this time, I've got one of my best friends is the top AC guy in a VC guy in Syracuse, does a lot of rentals. I said, you know, you gotta up your game if that's even possible. Because I think everybody that's got a need is gonna have this, even mom, pa, and grandma, because they're gonna see, <laughs> excuse me, see the kids. Um, you go back to working away from home, and, you know, I've got a lot of friends and unfortunately too many of them are dead, um, but I'm a hard style karate guy. And uh, so I would go to train with some of them uh, once in a while, I met a guy in Syracuse and they were introduced to him by another friend. Um, but I said to him, what do you do for a living? I write code. And I don't live under a box, but you know, I don't know how to write code. <clears throat> <He's> a, <clears throat> big, <clears throat> big husky child, <clears throat> more advanced than I, hard style. Wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. So I said to him, we used to have some lunches on a regular basis before he moved. So what's the code? What, I mean, I understand you work for somebody in the Midwest and yeah, Chicago. So he gives me a job. I 
write the code and I send him, he sends me a check. Well, Jesus, the way you live, it's got to be a pretty big check. Yeah, well, not bad. So he said to me on one of our lunches, I'm going to move to San Diego. Jesus, I don't like California because I've been there so many times. That's expensive. And San Diego's expensive. Yeah, I know. But I'm going to get paid well. And what are you going to do? I'm going to be a group leader for GoPro. I knew about the camera, but so what's a group leader? Ah, oh, you know, he says, I had up a team. Oh, okay. So he goes there and he's gone. I'm on his email distribution. He's gone all the time. So I, I said, how are you gone? And he motorcycles, he, now he paraglides. Two years later, he says, I'm moving to San Francisco. Jesus, do you understand that? If San Diego is expensive, San Francisco is more? Yeah, he says, I'm going to work for the Cube. Well, I know the Cube, my karate guy in San Diego had that. And, you know, I, I, I know what that is. Yeah, he says, I'm going to head up a bigger group. Really? So he's gone all the time. He's on these trips. So he was here this summer. And I said, you know, I, I don't like to pry into another man's business. But how the heck do you get so much time off? Oh, he says, it's easy. What do you mean? He said, our program is, you probably don't understand it. That's an understatement in my case. He says, I get two weeks time off from the business to work, but I can work from any location I want to work. Yeah, but you run a team. Yeah, but most of my guys aren't in San Francisco. Or guys and girls. Huh? Okay. And he says, I get two weeks vacation every 90 days. Wait a minute. You get two weeks to be in? Yeah. So he's all over the world. He just two years ago was learning paraglide. He goes east or west of, of Vietnam in these giant mountains getting trained by a pro. He's down in South America. So as long as I work, he says, and turn to my work and watch my people, I'm all right. The guy is gone. Now he's totally in his apartment because of the situation there. The guy is gone literally all the time, gets paid big bucks. I'm not exactly sure where we're sitting at the Century Club. And I had asked him before, you know, your apartment's not, or your condo's not very big. And so, yeah, I told you it was expensive. Yeah, and it's really pricey. So it goes, I didn't ask. So how big? Well, he says, I want to walk to work. Okay. So we're sitting in the member's dining room, which is like a ballroom. He says, about the same as this room. He says, I'm really happy. Really? Can I ask how much it is? Yeah, $75,000 a year plus tax. And you're gone most of the time. So this video, it's here to stay. This mobile for people is already here. I mean, it just shocks me. It, I'm, my gut says he's getting paid half a million bucks a year. So I asked him the other day, so he's been caught in the clouds a couple of times. I said, so how do you get out? He says, we hope we get out alive. Uh, what do you mean? He says, you can't see where you are when you're in the cloud. High risk. Right. That's, but things are moving. Yeah, they are. Yep. Hey, hey Mike. Yep. Can I ask a question? Of course. I see Nick Matt on the line and, and hate to put you on the spot, Nick, but uh, I actually just uh, posted a, a little Instagram story about Saranac this morning and, and talk about perspective of a hundred year old business CEO uh, how are things at Saranac, and um, you want to share some perspective on uh, 
how Saranac has weathered the storms of the last hundred years or so? That's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. first, of, first of all, I'm, I'm not a hundred year old CEO, okay? <laughs> well, I'm sorry, hundred year old business. <laughs> so, good point. Uh, no, I, you know, I mean, you have to adapt to what's going on and we're certainly doing that. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, I'm very pleased with that we have done, and I haven't, I've been away because I was down in Florida when this whole thing started and chose not to come back and I'm still here, but, but in any case, I am basically working every day and I'm pretty up to date with what's going on. One of the things they've done is they've taken the opportunity since they have a little more time to do some really great cleanup things. And I saw some pictures of one of our uh, bathrooms the other day that, I mean, you wouldn't believe that it was the same room. <laughs> and it's in an environment when cleaning up is really relevant. Mm. And so people, the, the men are really buying into that. And, and they just, they did an unbelievable job in terms of making this bathroom look almost new. And it's things like that, I think we are now, uh, we're pretty much fully employed. There are people who work from home, but since we produce beer, you have to be there to do that. And um, people, we, our employees are all working. We are gonna go on, New York has a shared work program that we're gonna go on to. Uh, we had to have done the payroll protection program. So, you know, we have things that we're doing, but we're, we're very much trying to keep everybody at work. Uh, and Actually, this shared work program is, it results in unemployment for the day you're not, you get paid 80% basically of what you make. But, uh, and then, then you get an extra, I think it's $600 a week. Uh, so actually the employers are gonna end up with more money than before. Uh, so it's, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a good program and, and we're gonna use that because We've slowed down quite a bit, and so we're probably going to go to three or four day weeks in the in the brewery. And so, you know, but you obviously have to adapt, and you have to do what you can to make it all work. And we will we'll all get through this. And alcoholic beverages, I don't know, you probably aren't aware of this, but um, they still are selling at these times. People still <laughs> there's some suspicion that people are drinking more at home, and uh, the. Uh, you know, so you are seeing some some recovery, but of course, all bars and restaurants are closed. And so, you know, for many of us, that's 20 or 30% of our business that just plain evaporated. And, uh, you know, so you have to make that up, but we're doing our best to do that. And, uh, and so far, so good. Well, thanks for sharing, thanks, Nick. Nick. <laughs> I, um, I have one last, it's one o'clock now, so I'll just wrap it up, but, um, one of the things that I did with my family, and I'm, that's, you know, we go from California all the way to, to New York here, and I have a sister that's in Brooklyn, um, all by herself, shelter at place, so she's a little bored. Um, we, um, we took the DISC profile. Um, for those, you know, that are familiar with it, it's just a personality profile, um, you know, test, and we did it amongst the family and then just had a, a discussion on Zoom to talk about, you know, what are the different personalities? How do they come together? And, you know, we're a family that's done, this will be 20 years of Columbus family vacation. And uh, we're a little nervous that we, there won't be Columbus family vacation this July. Um, but, you know, we're gonna utilize that time 
to start coming up with, and I'm going to use your suggestions. What are the questions? What are the things that we're going to talk about? And so one we did was, you know, the personality profiles of each person in the family. And it was, it was interesting. It was fun to watch and have that conversation for the first time inside of our family of, you know, oh, that's why they do that. And oh, that's, it's okay that they need <laughs> some special alone time. So uh, there's, I appreciate both of you coming on. Um, Tim, why don't you give us some parting thoughts, anything that you'd like to share and we'll do the same for Dan. Yeah, two, just a couple of quick things. Um, one, there, there was a, um, when Ed finished his, the story he told, um, I think there, there's a, a great metaphor there about getting lost in the clouds. You can't see where you're going if the clouds around you. And if we can help clear clouds or figure out, are we in the clouds, then we have a better chance of getting ahead. Second, on the succession issue, um, I, I see succession plans moving, moving ahead that were well thought out. I don't see anybody new saying, I got to get out now because there's nobody that wants to buy if they want out. Right. But I do have, from a technician's point of view, now that the initial phase of panic seems to be tamping down a little bit, I'm seeing more interest in let's talk about doing some of those gifting things now because our values are depressed mm -hmm. and we can do things more efficiently right now. Um, that's, a, it's kind of a, sometimes you, you might feel like, you know, we shouldn't be talking about that, but if, when a client starts saying, should I be thinking about it now, then that opens the door for that conversation. And last, Michael, for your Columbus family vacation, I had a client who the same thing happened. They have 10 years of family vacation. They are, they have one really good technologist in their family who is putting on a slideshow of all 10 years of vacation. So as a way of remembering what we did during that time. Um, and I've gotten a little peek at it and it's really good. That's, so that's a fun thing to do. That's very good. Thank you, Tim. Dan? Yeah, um, Michael, you actually shared this video with me last week from Simon Sinek. And, you know, I thought uh, um, it was very apropos where he, he says, you know, these are not unprecedented times. And so I think perspective does matter. Um, certainly, the you know this has been a very sudden uh, and very dramatic shock, uh, but these are not new. Um, and uh, uh, and you know sometimes they hit an industry, sometimes they hit a geographical area. You know this one really has hit us all. So it does provide opportunity to rethink you know the way we're doing business. We're doing that even within the Smith Family Business Initiative and and finding ways to do more virtual programming or in the future blended live and virtual programming. Um, I think these forums are helpful, whether they are, you know, more informal or formal, just uh, being able to hear the perspectives of, of others and see how they are managing um, and, uh, you know, just utilize your downtime effectively. Um, be curious and uh, don't be afraid of boredom once more. We always put this out there. Um, we love what we do and we love um, working with families and, and business owners. If somebody has a problem that you're noodling on, feel free to give us a call. We'd love to spend an hour, you know, no strings attached with you um, and just help you noodle on that problem a little bit. And if we can bring some value to your situation, we're, we're happy to do that. I know Cornell, I'm, I'm sure there's people there that would help to do the same thing. And Tim, I don't know if that's an, an offer that, you know, that you'd be open to, but uh, um, we can connect on LinkedIn and, uh, 
happy to happy to help in, in any way that we can. Tim, Dan, thank you both for your time today. Everybody, thanks for joining us. Um, next week, we have some really incredible guests. So watch the, the, the news coming out on that. We're well over the hour that we, we said we would take. So thank you all and uh, stay healthy, stay safe, and uh, you know, spend some time with your families. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Nice to see you all. Thanks for listening to The Family Biz Show. We appreciate your time and trust to deliver the best guests and most cutting-edge information to help you maximize your family business. Being part of a family is tough. Add a business to that, and it gets even tougher. Tune in next week as we strive to ease your journey with The Family Biz Show. The content presented is for informational and educational purposes. The information covered and posted are views and opinions of the guests and not necessarily those of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Michael Columbus is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Financial Affiliates and other fine companies. Family Wealth and Legacy LLC is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.